Mold Tool is the official sponsor of the Grease and Glamour podcast. Established in 1853, Mold Tool has grown to become a recognized leader in lubricant technology. Racing teams around the world have trusted Mold Tool to deliver the endurance and performance needed to compete at the highest level. Even if you're not racing on the track, Mold Tool's full range of synthetic lubricants will protect your engine against wear and tear of your daily commute. Stop by Universal Imports to purchase Mold Tool's line of products today. Are you looking to service your import vehicle or even get a new to you import? Then Universal Import is what you're looking for. Try our personalized automobile location service, a surefire way to get you to the perfect car for you. Take advantage of our 11 service space along with a full collision and body shop. And don't forget to ask us about our car care club. Only $49 a year and you get things like a 100 point inspection, $50 off a laser guided alignment, $10 off oil changes, and a free New York State inspection and more. It really does help you to extend the life of your car. Visit us at 834 Linden Avenue in Penfield, right off 441. Or check us out on Facebook or our website at universalimports.com. Universal Imports. Everything we do will make it easier for you. Another episode of the Grease and Glamour podcast brought to you by Motul and Universal Imports of Rochester. And today I am so excited after uh, a long, um, a long awaited uh, time. We, we, uh, I connected with an old friend, Kevin Williams, who is a meteorologist here in Rochester, New York. Many of you that are listening to this podcast will know Kevin Williams from his many years on TV as, as, lo- as well as he is the president and founder of WeatherTrack. And uh, Kevin uh, came to us. He has a beautiful vintage Jaguar, and it's now back on the road. Oh, is it ever? <laughs> In fact, we are putting the finishing touch on putting that nice, heavy-weighted Jaguar on the hood right now. So oh, yes. And Kevin was so kind to uh, say that he would love to come on the podcast and talk to us because one of the things that Kevin does, aside from uh, meteorology uh, on TV, radio, and a, and a bunch of other places, he also is the president and founder of Weather Tra- Track, which I think is fascinating because they do things like weather forensics, yes. um, which I didn't even know existed until I talked <laughs> to Kevin, and that's pretty cool stuff, so... Um, anyway, Kevin Williams, uh, just a little bit about Kevin Williams. He is a graduate of Cornell University. Correct. And uh, which has become my favorite university because of the show The Office. Because a- yeah. a- Andy Bernard <laughs> Absolutely. goes to Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and he's uh, been for many years, I think about 30 years on WHEC uh TV here yeah, in about Rochester. Yeah, about 35 years. 35. The last 20 uh, at, uh, at uh, WHEC and then Channel 8 and Channel 13 before then. So I made the rounds over 35 years here. And also a lot of awards over those years. Uh, the Edward uh, – Jamie, Jay yeah. knows this. Yeah, the Edward R. Murrow Awards, very prestigious. Yeah. Awesome. Two-time winner, right? Yeah. Well, Two- well, yeah, for uh, we uh, – I was never much into the award situation. It was usually if management chose to submit – something and we had a big uh, blizzard back uh, a few years ago and they submitted that particular newscast it's a body of work 
uh, uh, during the, the one of the big blizzards of all time, and it just happened to win some awards. But it was a team effort, to be clear. Yeah. Uh, but it was a, a wonderful uh, opportunity to present ourselves nationally, and, and uh, it was nice to always once in a while get a little recognition for the work of our team. Well, Rochester's no stranger to weird weather. <laughs> you got that right. Yes. <laughs> as, it, as it continues. <laughs> exactly. Even, exactly. Uh, this week, it's in full show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I guess, um, you know, I, I do want to talk to one of the things that Kevin and I started talking about, and obviously connecting on were, were cars, because Kevin's had some cool cars, and he has a cool car now, this Jaguar that uh, is all ready for the road for the summer, if we ever get a summer. <laughs> I'm, working, uh, I'm working on that, Mark. <laughs> thank I'm you. Working on I that. did see on your website, weathertrack.com, that they you do tailored forecasts right. now my brain right away went to okay kevin i'd like uh full sunshine for the next <laughs> 12 days not exactly <laughs> not exactly kind of what we were thinking there but yeah. but no it's it's interesting mark because the the there are as many interests businesses entities uh that are in need of tailored weather information as there is weather itself when you really think about it a company that is either able to make a strategic decision uh, to its benefit based on weather projections or to protect its interests because of weather projections. For example, uh, if you're in the uh, shipping uh, business and we do some ocean route forecasting from our office in Maine, you don't want to blindly sail or boat or you know ship into a hurricane or more likely a, a system that is under the radar but something that could catch you off guard so in that case you are getting a meteorologist to help you know help you plot and chart the waters for you uh if you are a company where oh let's say uh, an energy company if you can get good guidance for let's say how the summer will be temperature anomaly wise you can then uh, essentially purchase and plan on the energy requirements you'll have. One of my first clients, if you're from the New York area, one of my first clients was a, a one of the first scream-in-your-face retailers, a guy named Crazy Edit. Oh, yeah. oh I remember. And His prices are insane. Insane. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, he was one of our first clients, and oh. uh, the for, they reached out to us for a summer forecast. I, this was many years ago, mind you. They're long since gone as far as the business entity. Uh, and we delivered to them a long-range forecast, which was pretty hard then because this was 30 years ago and the data was not as good as it is now. And the reason they wanted that is they wanted to know how many units, how many air conditioning units they should buy so as ideally at the end of the season to not be left with too much merchandise but huh. not to be cut short. So we provided that information. They were reasonably happy and they were a client for us for several years. So they then purchased weather forecast information for a relatively nominal amount to help save them you know, make the best profit, save on an inventory that they have to hold on to, um, and everybody wins in that regard. So to all of our tire vendors out there that we use, you should call upon Kevin Williams to find out what our <laughs> snow conditions yeah. are going to be to well, stock up on exactly. your winter tires. And, and, and thank you. And to be honest with you, that's that's one of our specialties, the winter forecasting, yeah. because there's so much there's so much more meat to that in terms of the active jet stream, different types of precip, uh, timing, local, nature, regional, national, and uh, you know we do airports, we do uh, commercial snowplow people. So that is our one of our specialties. How about uh, sporting? Sporting events. We we teams. don't now, but we have, and teams do have have meteorologists. Uh, Jay, they they absolutely do. And uh, the the one of my one of the people I looked up to as a kid, but was named Bob Harris out of New York. 
he was the first Major League Baseball meteorologist, hmm. and he would predict uh, for them. Uh, I don't know to the extent of what he did for them, but uh, but but teams do employ services either from their own meteorologist or a service. Uh, but, the, but the leagues certainly do, and you know when you think about it now, the exposure to you know when you think about it, it always boggled my mind when I've been watching, let's say, a big college football game in the South, the SEC, and I knew there were going to be thunderstorms, and I'm thinking. You know, what's the insurance exposure if, you know, a lightning bolt strikes that stadium with people in it? And, and they never really paid attention to it until recently. Now that you get these big warnings on the screens, seek shelter indoors because uh, lightning doesn't often give you a second chance. And, uh, you know, so that, that always I always wondered about, about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, you know, even the NFL now is they really go to the to the other end of making sure that people are safe. They're. If they even think there's going to be a, a oh, they're they're bringing everybody inside. Yeah, and, and I can understand sure. the severe weather, but they really annoyed the heck out of me several years ago, uh, when the new commissioner, of, of whom I'm not the biggest fan, um, there was a game being played. I think it was in Philadelphia, and it was going to snow. It was I think it was a Monday night game, no less, and they postponed the game because they didn't want people driving in the snow. Now I understand there's danger in in winter travel. I don't question that, and people I think realize and accept that. But this is the NFL. This isn't, you know, I mean, this isn't the, the you know, the local eight-year-old girls soccer league yeah. where, you know, okay, this is the NFL. And they canceled the game because of some snow in Philadelphia some years ago. And I just was, are you kidding me? I, I, what, I, would, I, what would Vince Lombardi <laughs> say right now? Exactly. My gosh. I can't imagine canceling a game. For Buffalo with some oh. snow. Can you believe that's that? That's the only thing Buffalo ever saying, has in its arsenal right. to win. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Two years ago, I went to a game, and it snowed almost two feet while yeah. I was in there. My, I my son was at that I game. I couldn't even see the game. And that's but I didn't what, care. And that's the way it's meant <laughs> to be played. Yeah. It's football. Right. So anyway, I. I okay. Well. well <laughs> No, that's. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. Listen, uh, thunder and lightning, but snow. Come on. Yeah. 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 Well, let's talk about Thunder and Lightning for a minute because just the other day we were having a, a sort of kitchen discussion uh, around the dinner table. My wife made a comment about being caught in a lightning storm. Mm. And my son looked at her and said, oh, what's a lightning storm? She goes, you know, a storm with lightning. He goes, it's a thunderstorm. I said, well, so then they called on me to sort of, you know, <laughs> to sort of be the judge here. The referee. So, right, the referee. And I said, well... I guess, I guess it could be either, but I would say that a lightning storm in in most languages would be called a thunderstorm. But my wife swears that there's a difference. Is there a oh, difference no, between so you're a, putting me? I'm just gonna this? say <laughs> you're the meteorologist. Oh my! Oh my! Uh, well, the truth is, you know, we do meteorologically. It's a thunderstorm. Right. It just is. And some thunderstorms are more electric than others. Uh, some of the storms these past few weeks in the Midwest have been just constant lightning. But no matter how much lightning, it is a thunderstorm. Now, I would, you could argue, your wife could say, well, wouldn't it be better called a lightning storm? Because, frankly, no one dies from thunder. Right. But lightning can be a killer. And lightning comes first. Uh, and lightning then always comes first. In fact, you, we were talking about sports a moment ago. I'll never forget uh, when my kids were smaller – you know, we did the little league and the soccer leagues like a lot of kids do and parents do, and they tra traipse them all around. I think we were up in Greece on a Saturday morning tournament. All these open field. I mean, there were games going on, maybe a dozen. And I'm there, the meteorologist, but I'm kind of keeping a low. My kids always wanted me to be a low profile. So I'm low profile, staying out of the way, just watching the game. 
I hear thunder. Now, I kind of wait for the official. The, you know, these are kid officials. You know, 20, 18, you know, sixteen, yeah, eighteen, sure. old, girls, guys doing the officiating, and I don't see any action. So I hear another th- rumble of thunder, and I still don't see any action. So I, I, my, I resist the temptation to say anything during action. But then there's a break in the action, and I go over to the ref and say, you know, there's thunder, and she replies to me. Well, we're told that unless we see lightning, we continue the play. And I said, are you kidding me? Do you understand? And I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> and that, by definition. But you also don't de- want to get killed out in the middle no. of there. Well, so, that's so, the yeah. point. That by definition, if you hear thunder, there is lightning. And she insisted, we're going to continue to play. And I started to get, I'm a fairly mild-mannered person, but I started, because these are my kids, my neighbor's kids, my friend's kids, and kids I don't know who I all want to be safe. So I, so then I got on my soapbox and I said, okay, let's, I'll just so you know, there is there are thunderstorms coming, okay? And you have 1,000, 1,200 kids on these fields, open fields. If one of these children, one of these kids gets struck and, and injured, uh, and then the, when the lawsuit comes, I'll be the meteorologist in court saying, <laughs> I told you, and you continued to play. And then the horn sounds, and we get off the field, wait for the storm to pass. <laughs> It yeah. would have been nice if a green screen would have come down behind <laughs> you and you could have used your clicker and yeah, said, yeah, listen, yeah. I think we've got a low front coming in here. <laughs> I, need to, I think you need to get somebody in your posse that comes and follows you behind with the with green, the green screen. All of a sudden, they just stand behind you and all of a sudden, it goes, whoop, and it drops down. <laughs> and you would always have to remember not to wear green to work, right? Oh, yeah. You can't wear green to work. Well, there, there was a time. It used to be a blue screen. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I worked with Jay at the old place, yeah. a couple of places ago, and um, I, I was doing mornings at Channel 13 at the time. And very we, early again, mornings. Very did, early mornings. We? Well, oh. not as early as it is these days then, for the morning news. Anyway, it was a blue screen. And I had this, uh, what we would do is the news anchor, the morning little cut-ins, they would throw it to a commercial, and then the weather would come on. And during that commercial break, I would walk over to the chroma key wall, and they would get the camera shot. And we, we, we Well, the, the, the sweater vest I had on that day had too much blue in it. So I was now bleeding through. And <laughs> there were now, holes in Kevin Williams. <laughs> now, mind you, back in the day, there were no nothing like wireless. You're wired in with yeah. a microphone, a clicker with the thing down your sleeve, a cord. And they said, you've got to take off the vest. And I said, i got 30 seconds. There's some time to take off the blazer, take off the vest, rewire, and get the... I said, no. And they insisted. So I now had, like, just seconds. So I said, fine. So I take off the, the coat. I, then I do the vest. Like, you know, it's, it's a sweater vest. I pull it over my head. It's a wool vest in the middle of winter. So do you know where I'm going with this? Oh, yeah. Do you know Don King? Do you remember Don yes, King? Yes, yep, Remember the hair? Yep, yep. That was my hair for that next uh, weather cast. You could have done a, a static electricity. Yeah, that's uh, right, an experiment. Uh, this is yeah. what happens when... So ah. that's the beauty of chroma key. You know what? I think we should check that out on YouTube. I guess, <laughs> fortunately, be long somewhere. before YouTube. Long before YouTube. That's in, which that has to make a meteorologist that's on TV's job pretty hard now. Everything. I mean, every. You know, you see all these like bloop bloopers and blunders that they're all getting caught on YouTube, and mm-hmm. and they get so many plays. And sometimes some of them are so funny, like wow. the. Some oh. of the things that well, live TV. I mean, yeah. so much right can happen, uh, you know, on live TV, and I and I, I can. I mean, for me, I, I think back. I have funny memories and I have nightmares of some of the things that would go on because it's it's again live, mm-hmm. and you just got to go with the flow. And sometimes it can be. I remember we were reporting. Um, 
uh, they sent me out for some warm summer day to Charlotte or somewhere to to talk about it was like a Friday and talk about the beach weather and I don't typically do that but they sent me out fine so I was doing the weather at the shore but as I get there and I don't remember exactly when it was but these well as I'm on the air these and I'm wearing I'm, you know you go there and you're not on a jacket tie so you got shorts on a, you know a golf shirt or whatever and that's how you're well as I'm reporting and talking a swarm of these blood sucking black flies or something attack my calves as I'm on the air so I look down. I see blood literally going down <laughs> my calves, for, and I'm in pain. You're working through the pain, but I'm working through the pain. And so I'm doing, now, going, you know, now let's back to you. <laughs> I'll see you later, and I'm out of here. So it's live TV. Being injured, live yeah. TV. That's right. Doing weather in Rochester. That's right. I should get an extra payment uh, yeah. for, for hazardous yeah. affairs. Hazard pay. Yeah. For, uh... So before we get into uh, talking a little more about what weather forensics is, how that relates to car related mm-hmm. things. Sure. Uh, I could imagine there's, there's accidents. J- Jay and Aaron and I were talking earlier going, yeah, I, I bet you there were, cr- there, I bet you there's also criminal cases oh, with yeah. car related things mm-hmm. that weather comes into play. Oh, like, with, with like, shade and time of sun. Yeah. And yeah, I'll say, like, was it sunny on uh, the only, the only thing that comes back to my mind instantly when I think about car-related criminal activity, is the white Bronco in California? <laughs> like well, I, just, yeah. I remember watching yep. that on TV. Oh, Everybody was just huddled around the TV yep. watching this white Bronco going down the freeway and trying to speculate what was going yeah. on. Because at that moment, we didn't know what was going on. We no just idea. knew that OJ Simpson and his other friend were right. in the white Bronco. Right. Yeah. Right. Al. Uh, yeah. right. Al. 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 That's right. I was going to think of his name. Al. Al. He used to play. Uh, he was an he, NFL he was a, player. Yeah, NFL well. player. Right. Right. So, uh, so that's what I think of. Before we get to that, uh, I also want to touch a little bit on, well, there's two things we have to talk about. One is we have to talk about your involvement with rescue dogs. Yes. Because yes. that's a passion of yours, and I, and I would like you to talk a little bit about that. And then also we have to get at, to what is going on with Lake Ontario. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, you know, I am, I've been a longtime dog lover, and, you know, I, I think many of us are, so it's not unique. But um, it was when I was starting in TV, one of my future wife's friends was from Ohio and mentioned this meteorologist there named Dick Goddard. He was a legend in Cleveland and that he would uh, work. Uh, do you know the name? Do you yeah, I certainly do. I certainly remember that name. Yeah, he was a legend, legendary and uh, in Cleveland. And he did this. He worked with the Humane Society. I believe it was the Humane Society there. And would give would bring attention to dogs in need in the shelters so that they could be hopefully adopted before things that are bad happen to them, you know, mm-hmm. because of a lack of space. So, uh, you know, I approached uh, Channel 13. Uh, about doing it. That was when I started in the early 80s. Uh, they agreed. Uh, I moved uh, about eight years later to Channel 8, approached them. They agreed. And then I went to Channel 10 and approached them, and they agreed. So I gave birth, in a sense, to you know maybe the only time in the country where I gave birth to three Pet of the Week segments on all three stations wow. uh, that go, I think, every week on different days. And uh, it's just, to me, I mean, there's so many dogs in need. Now, I'll be honest with you, my current dog uh, is not a, a rescue dog, but the two dogs prior were. The first one was named Nimbus. He was a uh, black and white Springer Spaniel mix. My wife named him because he had the black and white colorations that reminded her of storm clouds. Oh. oh okay. He was seen in Hilton being thrown as a puppy being thrown out of a moving car window. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, it just breaks your heart. And yeah. so he was our, what we, we always say, was our first child. 
And uh, Nimbus lived a, uh, to a good long ripe age of uh, well, about 15 into uh, about 2003. We had another rescue dog came. Her, uh, his name was Keeper. And, uh, and then when we lost Keeper, I was just too sad. And, um, but my wife would hear none of it. So she and my daughter, unbeknownst to me. Conspired. Conspired. <laughs> and one Father's Day Sunday afternoon, asleep on the hammock as I was, I found myself suddenly awoken to a, at that time, roughly four and a half pound, six inch long mini dachshund <laughs> who was looking in my eyeballs and we have been inseparable since. She sits <laughs> on my lap when I broadcast on stations across America, happy as can be, as quiet as can be, while I talk to America on the weather. So uh, do I love dogs? I do love dogs and rescuing them certainly is, well, is key yeah we my were, wife and i've done the same thing we've rescued we're this is our second uh, pit bull our our first one passed away last last year very sad we still yeah. are mm. you know just miss him his name was sunday absolutely mm. amazing mm. and now we've got mia and oh. uh, i wish she could sit on my lap but she's like 65 yeah a little different a little different. but yeah. she, it doesn't keep her believe yeah. me at night you lay on the couch and next thing you know <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah here's my other kid yeah, uh, if we were going to name our dog something weather-related, it'd probably be Hurricane. Uh-oh. Uh, he, <laughs> really? when, when he was little. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, so he's 12 now. We have a, a German Shepherd mm-hmm. who is an awesome dog, super gentle. Um, but, boy, when he was a puppy. I mean, the kids were little then, and they would have to run from their rooms to the couch and jump up on the couch so, because he would try and go and, <sighs> like with those little puppy treats teeth try and bite them you know oh my now he's like so chill like he's just kind of yeah. like eeyore he's like yeah. oh eeyore. <laughs> eeyore yeah, yeah. sometimes we get in the house and it's like the dog doesn't even come to the door and oh, no. see who's oh, there. oh welcome to my world <laughs> my dog i'm like listen you know just bark like yeah. people can the only time she barks is if the doorbell rings and i'm like oh that's great because you know whoever's going to come and break into my house is going to ring the doorbell and hang out there first not going to happen but they could walk in the back door and she'd be like hey how are you so good to see you so i I, this is a i have to share this story because it's a perfect opportunity we have a meteorologist here and this is a weather and dog related story (laughs) you bet so can't wait to see where this goes i'm going to try not to roll down the hill jay um so, so our dog is a 110-pound German Shepherd. So you got to put that in wow, picture that. He's big, yeah. The, and the vet says we, we got to make him lose some weight. But, yeah, wow. Um, so a few years ago, so our dog, like many dogs, is petrified of thunder. Oh, right. Sure. I mean, just like yep. It, mm-hmm. We'll find any place in the house. We'll crawl into oh, a closet, into oh. the bathtub, wh- wherever it, it feels some kind of shelter, uh, and shakes. Right. So. One night, we don't let our dog on our bed because he's outside a lot, and so he's just not a bed type of dog. But um, it was thundering so bad, and he was just freaking out that we let him up on the bed. And he laid down at the foot of the bed, and it was such a bad thunderstorm. And this actually was quite a few years ago now that I think about it because the kids were younger, and they were freaked out too by this thunderstorm. It was really wicked. So, you know, first the one kid comes in and is in bed with us, and then the other kid comes in and is in bed with us. So the four of us are in our bed, and oh, the dog is at the foot of the bed. Oh. And the dog, you can feel the bed shaking. Oscar's <laughs> shaking, right? Well, then this one big boomer comes. Oh. Boom. And the dog gets up. What? 
it wasn't enough that he was on the bed. He walked up to where our heads were <laughs> and laid on all four of our heads. <laughs> we were so, and we're like, this is just too Oscar's like, oh, take care of me. Yeah. Please, all of you. Please, I'm, I, I got to lay right here. I what is, what what is it, it is. genetically? Yeah, that, you know? that does that. I, it's yeah. Mine is the same. I yeah. feel so bad for it. Yeah. And, you know, and again, I like celebrations and things, but 4th of July... Oh, it's terrible. I want for my, my neighbors dog. to yeah. stop. Yeah. Please, could yeah. you use the bangless fireworks? Yeah, yeah my dog. Because is, it's oh, an absolute nightmare for. Oh. So. Yeah. Aaron. I have a Jack Russell, and he's afraid of everything. Yeah. <laughs> he's. I mean, he's so small. I mean, he shakes. He gets so nervous when he goes anywhere, but he loves oh. to go on car rides. But he he's just a, such a nervous dog. So we get him all these like coats and T-shirts, and he loves wearing them. And he just feels oh really? So, yeah, feels he feels so in secure in them. Oh, oh that's yeah. good. That's, that's interesting. Thunder yeah. vests. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. We've got one of those. You know how well they work? Not. Not very well. <laughs> but I will say this: I did, and she is scared. Mia is scared too. But a couple of weeks ago, I decided. You know what? I got running around to do. She loves going for a ride. I go. Let me take her to the car wash. All right. That was a horrible idea. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> horrible. All the, all the brushes. Yeah, the next thing yeah. you know, the 65er is on my lap, and she's, <laughs> and she's <laughs> facing me. And oh. she's facing me. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, yeah, never again. So um, so I know that we have your Jag, and we fixed that. And yes. I want to I wanna know about your, your earlier cars that oh, you had. Sure. If you had any kind of car stories well I, I, it's interesting how the memories work i mean i can't remember what i had for lunch yesterday but yeah I, sh- I sure remember the early cars we had first of all before i was old enough to drive i remember my mom had a black with red interior ford galaxy 500 and my dad drove a white pontiac le mans with a blue interior and i remember it had the first stick shift uh that that i was everywhere because there's always you know the, the galaxy 500 was a bench seating i don't know what you a, a what prindle you call, is that? they call it a prindle because it's a park reverse neutral drive oh, okay. well oh. prindle. So i'm in the right place to understand what yeah. the, the terminology <laughs> is so those were the first two cars in our family but the first car i drove was a used 1974 thunderbird it was uh kind of forest green it had it was so cool because it had rather than just the dashboard it had four lights as i recall above the rearview mirror i don't know what they did or told us but i thought it was so cool because cars you, didn't, you know they didn't have crazy dashboards with you know all the stuff on them so it was a thunderbird and then uh, during my college years uh, i took a car that my mom had, had which was the uh, chrysler um, um oh come on uh, ricardo montalbaum here and i'm losing my mind um, what was the car <laughs> corinthian leather yeah what's the car what's uh, uh i don't cordoba. know Cord- cordoba. 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 cordoba cordoba a cordoba yeah. he just remembers um, the corinthian le- leather yeah, from uh, yeah yeah um, well it's a marketing thing for me it's yeah. always like that always gets to me yeah like, corinthian leather uh, right yeah. well yeah. they worked right so and then I sold that to my uh, my my college uh, meteorology professor. He drove it all the way across the country. And then uh, after that, I had uh, you know I had a, a couple of different sedan. I mean, this was we'll talk about the Jag. I'm, I'm keeping this separate from the Jag, but a, a couple of other sedans. And I got caught in a very bad snowstorm once early on with one of those sedans. And I said, you know what? Uh, as a meteorologist, I need to be able to get to work. So I be, you know I, I drove as my second car, uh, you know, Jaguar's first or second car, but the other car has been an SUV. But I got stuck early on. Um, I don't know if I can say this on your podcast, but I'll, I will. Uh, I had one of the first Ford Bronco 2s back, I mean, a long time ago. So prim- so primitive that to change into, into the four-wheel mode, you had to get out 
and take a wrench thing. I don't, you, again, <laughs> yeah, you're the car yeah, experts. Yeah. I'm not. And you had to do something yeah. to the wheels it and then lock the or unlock back the four-wheel and, drive. Oh and it just it lock was, and unlocked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember. Then you had tip. to go out to the front of the car, crank it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Get it right, rolling. Right. Hey, right wait right. a second. We're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, through it all, you know, since 86, the ja- I've always, it's always been the Jaguar, but then there's been a line of cars and, you know, as a meteorologist, you know, it came to pass that you really needed, I'm not going to drive that obviously in an ice storm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, the later SUV technologies, you know, served me and I've served me well, but early on it was like, I feel like I'm a beta test for this <laughs> and it was just not working out, not working out. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Bronco yeah. was a really popular car. I think it got better and became popular, yeah. but the yeah. Bronco 2 is a smaller, small down yep. version of the. Yep. I had a Mustang uh, 2, which was a smaller, not as Mustang. not as cool version of a real Mustang. It oh, had, I didn't know about it. It had a red too. vinyl top and red vinyl seats. Oh, and, may, and may I say, as a kid, before I had the Thunderbird, you know, I mean, I had my sights set on a, uh, a brown. Mustang. I mean, I couldn't drive. I was probably 12 years old. But when we go shopping for cars, you know, I would always go right to the Mustang and say, oh, that's what I want. That's you know, and want. it's funny growing up Mustang. in a household f- filled with German import cars. And that's what my whole life has been about. Mm-hmm. The, my dream car growing up was Burt Reynolds Trans Am and oh, the Bandit. Really? I just... I, you know, I was... That was uh, a cool car. I ran out to the toy store to get the Matchbox car of it, you know, and I just thought it was the best, <laughs> coolest. Oh, w- God, when yeah. you're at auction do you, and you see those, do you think, oh, maybe? Uh, no, I see. One time, I, uh, my wife had convinced me that we should get a Jeep, mm-hmm. and nothing against Jeeps. I think Jeeps are actually very nice vehicles. However, it's not something I should be driving if I'm selling Audis, BMWs, and Mercedes. So mm-hmm. we bought this Jeep, Grand Cherokee, and within the first week, I had three or four customers going, wait a minute, what are you doing selling me <laughs> an Audi or a Mercedes or a BMW, and you're driving a Jeep? So that, yep. that went yeah. over like a lead yeah. balloon, oh. and so it, that was short-lived and, and – um, Whoop! Scratch that one off my <laughs> list. No, no Jeep for you. No, so, so no Trans Am. So no Trans Am for me. So I love the German cars. I mean, that's where my heart is. It always has been. Um, I think Jeeps are really nice, and uh, I, I really love the Wranglers because there's almost nothing that can compete with a Wrangler for that style of kind of fun off-road, summery type mm-hmm. of car. Um, and we do sell those, by the way. Mm. But. Um, yeah, but uh, it's Audi, BMW, or Mercedes for me, which is not a bad deal. That's not a bad not deal. A bad deal. Not a bad nice deal. Selection. Uh, <laughs> nice selection. Nice <laughs> selection. Yeah. And Jaguar now. Like, Jaguar, uh, uh, aside from the, the sports cars they made, like your vintage 1980s version Jaguar, Jaguar has come around now. They had a little bit of a tough time Mark, in the. It's Jaguar. J- oh, I know. Yes, I know. Jaguar. Yes. As, as he always schools me on how to say. Audi. Audi. He always yeah. says Audi. I always go Audi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I just claim I'm old, and I'm like, yeah, that's what, that's what <laughs> you get. <laughs> yeah, that is what it is. Uh, la la la. Uh, I will just quickly tell you because I think this is an interesting point for the podcast. the The word Audi for the car company came to be that the cr- the owner, the 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 person who started the auto union car company, his last name was Horch, and Horch is the German word for listen. And when a bunch of his partners sued him and they broke off four different auto companies, that's hence you got the four rings in the Audi that oh. resembles 
each of the four companies oh. that that created Audi, he was not allowed to use his last name in the car company anymore because that one of the car company's name was Hork. Oh. But legally, they blocked him from using his last name in his own car company. So he took the Latin word for his last name, which is Audi. Very and cool. And that is how the word, Very that is cool. how the car company Audi started. Very cool. And how long ago was this? <laughs> uh, this is um, uh, early 1900s. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So that, that yep. crew of people's long gone. And, right. And, 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 you know, interesting. Yep. Wow. So, and now, and now Audi, of course, is part of the Volkswagen okay. Corporation along with Porsche, Lamborghini, Bentley. They're, they're all, all the same? They're, they're all Skoda. They're all owned by Volkswagen. Oh, I did the know umbrella that. I mother did not company. know that. Yep. Okay, cool. So Jaguar had some growing pains uh, for a while. You know, they, they were owned by Ford for some yes, time. Yes, they were. That, those weren't. The, the best years for them now they've come out of that and they're really they're they really are making some nice vehicles now again, so. i will agree but the problem the one thing i, I haven't come to come to grips with is a jaguar suv yeah i, I saw know. a commercial it's, for and the, the sure they're calling it an suv i'm not i'm not sure what it would right you know hi, whatever but i just saw it and I said to my wife you know i'm sorry no it took a no, while it took a while be, you know, for just, for porsche suvs to grow on people really? but they're doing quite well are now they? with are the they? with the cayennes yeah. and the, yeah, okay McCann's uh, and the McCann, I guess I'm not sure how they call it. Jamie, you'll have to school me on that <laughs> one later. Oh, no, I'm not schooling uh, anybody. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> yeah. yeah, the McCann and the uh, uh, Cayenne are the two big uh, Porsche SUVs. Um, hmm. Yeah, so anyway, um, we wanted to talk a little bit about weather forensics. Yeah. And, and maybe one or two cases that you can recall so that, so that our listeners and we can understand – What's involved in weather forensics sure. and, and maybe some of the sure. some of the trials you've had to deal with with yeah. that? Well, you know, people, when they see a TV meteorologist or hear a radio meteorologist, they, you know, I think they can assume fairly reliably what, what those people do. They predict the weather and they broadcast it with graphics or what have you. What they don't think about, though, that there are some of us, it's kind of a niche field, that look into the past. And we research and kind of like a detective take puzzle pieces which are different data data sets temperatures clouds radar and piece them together in an effort to help a matter that's lit, uh, of litigation uh, most typically it's a slip and fall so somebody may say well I slipped and fell in the lot that night it was icy it's the it's the business owner's fault or not and my job is to come in and again because data most of the data is at airports and these incidents typically aren't so fortunate for me to happen at an airport. <laughs> or they'll, right next to one. Or right next to <laughs> one. I have to reconstruct and extrapolate uh, or interpolate what was going on at that location. And then I have to make a convincing uh, – sometimes I have to go to court and testify and make upon my objective analysis. It's always objective. It's always you know, how I see it, how it laid out. But then to articulate that into a court of, in, at a court of law and to a jury, which can, it can sometimes be challenging because, again, if it happens at the airport, you can just call up the airport data. There it is. It was snowing and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like with lake effect – you know, it's snowing at the Buffalo. I mean, I, I testify a lot in New York State, a lot in Lake Effect zones. So, you know, the airport, Buffalo's in Chictawaga, you know, it could be clear. And, and down in Hamburg, it's, it's blizzarding. And, you know, that's fine. But then go back five years ago and try and assess where that band was at a certain point in time. So that's the point. And I, I have always looked at it as, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. But I also look like it as a service because I'm trying to provide accuracy and, and honesty 
into a, into matters which aren't always clearly, you know, one side's always looking for a gain. You know, one side's looking sure. for a quick, fast buck because they fell. You know, and maybe it was legitimately ice that had been there for two days, and the, the owner should have taken care of it. Or maybe there was a storm in progress, and there's when there's a storm in progress, there's no legal requirement to make a pathway safe when it's snowing and blowing. You have to have a reasonable amount of time. Right. So that's most of our work. But some of our work is ambient light. Uh, some of it is wind damage. Uh, and in terms of automobiles, it's often uh, it's often related to slip a, you know slip on ice and, and snow. Uh, but sometimes it's sun glare. I had one, one, you know, most of my cases are civil, but sometimes they're felonies. And this was a, a tragic loss of life where uh, glare was involved. And the vehicle was going up a hill, and the car was going up this hill and came to the crest of the hill where the sun, it was just coming up, it was sunrise, as I recall. So going up the hill, and he was heading toward the sun. So going up the hill, he couldn't see the sun. It was on the other side of the hill. Yep. He hits the hill, gets blinded, and the problem was, there was some kind of construction vehicle parked only partly right off there. the side of the road, uh, partly on the road, and he hit it basically at speed, you know, the tragic uh, consequences. So, um, you know, the sun glare is it's, it's insidious because we know that ice is going to be a problem. At least we hope we do, and we need to take precautions. But on a clear, lovely summer day and you're heading out, you're not thinking about extra caution because of sun glare probably. Right. You know, oh, sometimes and, and sun glare bothers you just when you're getting up to a to a traffic stop. Well, I've that's had, right. Yeah. Right. Oh, you're trying I, to right. look at that and you're as you're saying that I I can remember many times where I've been driving and you've come up over a hill or something and mm-hmm. you right. can't see. You and can't see in front of you. Exactly. Sun glare just washes yeah. the human eye contact out. And so my job was then to assess uh, I don't recall this was many years ago, but I had to assess well, you know, what's position of the sun, what was the cloud coverage and that kind of thing. So sometimes the the, the matters are very tragic. I've done two uh, involving uh, the Boy Scouts. I was uh, you know, hired on behalf of the Boy Scouts with lightning and their loss of life from lightning. Uh-huh. You know, and you're a Boy Scout, and you know, you, they're not going to shelter you for the entirety of your Boy Scout career you know, in an office to protect you. You're going to be out. You're going to be camping and hiking, and they do their best. But, but you know, lightning, as we said at the earlier part of the show, you know, can, be, can be a killer. So, so, so most of my cases are fairly mundane, slip and fall, but others are f- uh, felonies. Some are, are loss of life. I've done some some robberies. There was one matter in New Hampshire where there was a question of there was snow and old snow, footprints and beer bottles, and we had to try to determine based on the the, the how the snow reflected in the pictures, how old it was, to confirm how old the snow prints footprints were and compared to the beer bottles which were partially covered to assess the timing and whether this uh, this alleged perpetrator could have been at that site at that time very involved wow. so it, it gets to be pretty pretty intense and remember when you're testifying the job of the opposing attorney is to make you the expert witness look like a fool right and so they will they're 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 good and they will try and catch you you know, yeah. they'll take something you say, and then they'll slightly, sometimes, not always, but sometimes slightly twist it a bit and, and confuse the jury, and you have to then take it back to what you said. Right. So it's a game sometimes. I mean, I'm just a scientist, and I try and convey the weather, but they're, you know, they're fighting, and all good attorneys will do that, of course. Yep. So you really have to be on your game because it's, you know, you really have to be sure you're confident of the facts, uh, how you see them lay out. And listen to the questions because sometimes they do gotchas. And yeah. you, know, you gotta be really ready for that. Yeah. Lawyers. 
So do you work a lot with like insurance companies yes. determining like car accidents? Th- yeah, that, that, like that. That, that, that's exactly right, Aaron. There are many cases where they don't want to go to trial. So mm-hmm. um, they'll, you know, sometimes the insurance company will settle, uh, sometimes not. But in many cases, right, they're, they're often, uh, and I've done work for all of the, the large insurance companies in the Northeast because, again, here too, uh, you say, well, why would they pay, what, you know, a meteorologist? Well, these cases sometimes can be $100,000, a million dollars. So to bring in a, a person to, to reconstruct the weather, uh, it, it's a relatively nominal fee compared to their potential loss if it's a big weather-related yeah. case. What about flooding? Oh, Yeah. Flooding too? We seem to be in the midst of that here. For those of you who aren't from here, yeah. we're yeah. yeah. Lake Ontario is a mess. Oh, not oh. just Lake Ontario, Lake Erie too, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand it. Well, you know, it's it's a it's a challenge to understand it in the level of detail. I mean, we go. You always start with the weather in the terms of. We'll talk about the IJC, but the, you know, this has been uh, now interesting in Rochester. It has not been a wet spring compared to you know we've had seven and a half inches of rain for the entirety of the spring. The problem locally in the mindset is because it's been cloudy. Yeah, it's been feels cool. like I it's know. been. Wet. <laughs> it feels like every day. Like it. it feel exactly. See, this is, there's the, a whole profession called biometeorology, which studies the in, the interpretation of the mind and other living creatures and the impacts of weather. So up here we're thinking lousy spring, and it's certainly if you like sunny, warm, and dry, it has been. But it hasn't been wet compared seven and a half mm-hmm. inches this spring, spring of 2017, 15 inches of rain, twice the amount. Wow. Uh, but the problem with Lake Ontario and what we're dealing now—it's tragic—is is is hard to object objectify because we know that there's been a lot of rain on the upstream lakes, Superior, Huron, Michigan, a lot of snowmelt. Those lakes are at record heights as well. So it's hard to discount the fact that the weather has been a big, big driver. Problem is, you have the regulation of Lake Ontario by the IJC, the National Joint Commission. That's a political body of bureaucrats that sit there and you know, in their offices and don't have places on the lakes probably, I don't know. And uh, they do their thing, and they regulate the lake through the Moses, Saunders, Dam, and Messina. And, you know, they had this new plan, the, two, the, the 2014 plan, where they installed, which, you know, by their very words, were to help save the muskrats and the cattails by allowing the lake to vary more. Well, that's all well and good, but back to our sports analogy, suppose you bought a home or have a business, and, you know, you, you're based on a certain level of the lake that they would control. And it's like a football game. Then at halftime, the refs come in and say, you know what, uh, we're going to uh, discount uh, pass interference rules. And uh, offsides, that's going to go by the way as well. And uh, because that's what they've done. Now they're saying the lake is going to be able to fluctuate higher and lower. So what's the homeowner to do? Who You can't, you can't get out there and say, let's jack up the house five feet. Right, and well, so and they're stuck because they can't sell them. Either. Well, exactly, I mean, they're the resale. And so my my whole point in this is, it starts with the weather. The weather has been very wet. You know, we go in cycles. Two years very wet. Last year not at all. This year wet, and that's maybe the main driver. But every inch of lake level counts when we're when we're at the point where we are now. And had they regulated it prior to the 2014 plan back last fall and winter, and let it go down more. You could argue that then that would have mitigated the problems now. And they're so concerned about Montreal because yeah. of the flooding there right. that I think I honestly think, and again, opinion here, that it, that's their primary concern is Montreal, which means they don't let water from Lake Ontario overspill into the St. Lawrence till Montreal is safe. The heck with Toronto, Rochester, Oswego, Coburg, Brighton. Yeah. It is and, all about Montreal, in my opinion, based on everything that I've read. 
So, yeah, so they it, just don't want it to. And to they, flood and they, there. And back it's, in it's April, political. And, it's and, political. And, oh yeah, of course. You know, it's bureaucrats. But in April, they slowed the flow tremendously compared to two years ago uh, to protect again the downstream interests, which I understand they have to protect them too. But in so doing, now they've created probably what's going to be another loss of a voting season. Uh, another very difficult uh, uh, spring and at least early summer. And wind plays a big role in that, Oh, right? huge. Are we probably not going to be able to be at our beaches this, uh, uh, this it, summer? It, it, it saddens me. I'm, you know, this is one of the problems I have when you're, you're trying to be objective and produce a forecast. So many times over my career, you know, I, I – for example, we might have a big family outing plan in a week or two, and I see a big storm coming, and I got to be objective and forecast it. But it's painful when I say, "Oh, you know, I have these big plans," you know, and and, and it, it pains me because I, like a lot of folks, want to spend time on Lake Ontario. I don't right. own a place there, but we do visit. We have uh, friends, who, and I, I got to tell you, I just don't see us recovering at least into the first half of the summer. I hope if the weather cooperates and they allow more water through the dam, conditions will improve as the summer wears on. But it's not something I can predict because it's in their hands of the IJC and it's in Mother Nature's hands hmm. that, you know, long term and it's hard to know if there will be thunderstorms in a spot that will cause issues. So I just have to hope for the best. Well, I know uh, how, how many years ago was Sandy? That was five or six. Yeah, 2012, right? Oh, okay. So, yeah, like seven years ago. So, Hurricane Sandy was a a big game changer for the auto industry. Oh, was it? Um, Not just because we're in New York and and Sandy was was an eastern seaboard storm, but I think the whole country felt it from the automotive perspective. Interesting, really. uh, Because so many cars were totaled during that. uh, In fact, there's pictures of, you know, they took – Air, old airports and use them as staging grounds to take all the cars that were totaled by the insurance companies wow. and just put them in these fields. They didn't know where else to put them at the time. Wow. And I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands. And for, and now um, it, we don't really have to worry too much about it. it. Enough time has passed, but the first two years after Sandy, we had to take a lot of extra precautions that we were not buying a car oh. that, was, was involved flooded. in yeah. Sandy that maybe because what a lot of people did and there were obviously whenever there's something like this there's going to be people that are going to find ways to benefit from it so they would be they would be buying these cars before the insurance companies totaled them fixed them up so they would still have oh. decent titles but technically they were flooded cars oh my gosh. and you would you know unless you really did your due diligence and looked very hard it could be you could easily get fooled by something like that. Wow. And I think a lot of people did. Wow. Um, we, of course, uh, at that time, we, we were one of the first dealers, actually, in Rochester to subscribe to Carfax uh, vehicle history reports. When Carfax first came out, um, they, it was very expensive to buy a Carfax on a car. It wasn't something that was just handed to you like it is today when you buy a car at most places. It was something that... Most customers wouldn't even get from the car dealership. They'd have to pay for it online, and and then it'd get emailed to them. I think that's how it originally started. But we were one of the first dealers in Rochester to subscribe to Carfax so that every car that we bought and sold, we would be able to pull that vehicle history report. And, I mean, that was a a very valuable tool when we were dealing with something like hurricane damaged cars interesting um because you know you can uh you can mask that a lot of that stuff can get masked uh and you mm-hmm. could look at a car and think it's great and not really know that it was involved right. in yeah. right. in flooding or a hurricane 
Um, so we we uh, we took a lot of precautions to make sure that we didn't get caught with any of those cards. Uh, good for you. But a lot good of people did, unfortunately. Sad to hear. Um, uh, you know, other other weather things that that I think about when when I thought about having this opportunity to talk to you. But um, you know, here in Rochester, we deal with a lot of uh, road condition that are due to weather sure. uh potholes huh. that's uh i had noticed that <laughs> yeah yeah what? there's these, there's these <laughs> they're like the rabbit holes i go down all the time <laughs> oh don't worry we're bound to go down one or two <laughs> anybody who's listened to our podcast enough will know that every once in a while not every show you tend to you tend to i don't know just kind of sidetrack and down the me, hole a little bit and you're down yeah it's just who you are that's, that's why we love you <laughs> but the potholes that's uh that's the the change in temperature, right? Sure. The, that's the yeah. ice getting in there, pushing it. Right. Or? It's just a, a little imperfection in the road, and the water gets in, and then when it freezes, it expands, yeah. and so it, it it starts to degrade that little crevice, and then it you know repeats, and before you know it, it's now you know structurally unstable, and uh, get a car over it and plopped, and then you've got your like that you know, stupid crack in my sidewalk that I always fill, and every spring i look at it and it's, it's back there it's back yeah. exactly. yeah. i don't you know i just don't know i mean i, I mean i hear i've never you you might know uh, with your, your your ancestry i mean i hear they don't have such problems on the autobahn now do they or not you might know more than i, I. well i because they have as you know germany uh, has you know they have the same weather yeah, they basically have, is yes. here. although what i found interesting about the weather in germany is although the the climate's roughly the same uh their spring comes seems to come earlier oh does it Okay. And 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 their their fall seems to all. I mean, it's just shifted a little mm-hmm. bit. It seems, but is the I, autobahn? I, I mean, I, I don't hear that it's full I, with potholes. No, I, I don't. It, I don't think it. it they couldn't. It, the people are going. Too I mean, fast. The, oh yeah. So so the first thing to know about the autobahn is that it is not uh, no speed limit all the time. The the autobahn actually has many areas where there's a where there's a mm-hmm. speed limit. Okay. In fact, by any exit, there's speed limits. Um, and then there is what they call fry fart, which is excuse sorry, me, that's a, <laughs> excuse that's me, a German word, F A H R T. Can you say it one more time, please? Fry I wanna, fart. No, you got. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to giggle. Thanks. <laughs> well, you know, an exit in Germany is called an Ausfart. <laughs> so there yeah. we go. So the first time I first time I saw that when I was a kid, it, it's a chuckle. Uh, There's yeah, an Einfart, chuckle. which is a. Entrance Listen, and I don't care fart, how old you are. <laughs> right, it's funny. Right? It's still a funny thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm watching Kevin over here. He's crying because he knows uh, it's still funny. Uh, but I, I think they use a lot of concrete uh, on their roadways. Uh, if I'm, it's just because it just seems you know that, that best as they they try the roads here. And the other thing, by the way, the dry, and the, I'm very I'm not worried to the uh, in a serious note, but I live on a private little road on a cul-de-sac and it, it goes into another small country road and they don't pave it they put down these oh the stones yeah they yes. do it on mine and and i'll say it it's in penfield oh my gosh yes it yes, is yes it is where they and, where we decide that they decide that we're the actual paving company right you know are you familiar with this mark where they they put down these cinders and and little stones with oil and they cover the entire road and this is my only escape from my little private road now that i have my car back yeah and i'm waiting for that to happen because they exactly they 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 pour this down they they go over a little bit of a roller and then they depend for the next two weeks for our cars to push the stones <laughs> down but as you're driving they're kicking up oh, into the car with oh, yeah, yeah. it's the, horrible the chips are unbelievable and here's the thing that gets me about it so they do the whole road on so on both sides after probably a few days 
where the cars usually drive were fine. They're already there's a whole bunch of other road that isn't driven. They just leave them like that. They just leave them in for bicyclists. I mean, that's it's dangerous. Awful. It's motorcyclists. Awful. It's awful, and that's one of my pet peeves. And you know, I'm thinking, well, once that happens, then my uh, my Jaguar sits in my garage for two right. weeks. Well, yeah, they just right. started up uh, again th- this week. I noticed that on some of the side oh, roads. Really? So coming soon oh to a road near you, God, my friend. Stop. <laughs> Right. Stop. I've, I've no. got a couple rapid-fire questions for oh, okay, you. We're cool. going to have a little fun here oh, as cool. we get to the end here. Okay. All right. So uh, these were not asked to you before the podcast, so you have no prior oh, knowledge no, of these I'm questions. Nervous. All right. Uh, these, these should be pretty easy for you. Are you safer in a car, boat, no, no, or— No, no, no. You were going to ask, right? What? what would you do? Where would you rather? Where would you rather be? Where would you rather be okay. in a thunderstorm, okay. a boat, a plane, or a car? Uh, well, you certainly don't want to be in a boat uh, <laughs> because you're the highest spot. Well, we and, wanted to see if the obvious answer and, was. And, 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 I even come up with the boat too. I just threw that. <laughs> Mark in. did. Now, you, you, I would, I would say your, 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 you know, fear of flying comes into play, but technically you're safe in both the car and the plane. The car, people think it's the rubber tires, Mark. Right, that's but what I thought. It's not. Uh, what it is is the the uh, the charge gets carried through the metal skin of the car, and then goes into the ground through the metal skin. So if you're touching, the the skin oh. of the car, then that's a problem. But it's not the tires. It's 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 the the metal part of the car that carries the current outside and then down. Oh, that's interesting. It's not yeah. the tires. I didn't know and, that. And the, a plane, you know. I can understand how you really don't want to be at 30,000 feet in a thunderstorm. So you don't, you know, you hope your pilot gets away from a thunderstorm. That in itself with, with you know, downdrafts and all that, that could be dangerous. But the planes are also made to carry the charge, you know, outside the skin and dissipate it so that it should not but, be. But they do sometimes hit the engines. I've seen that. Okay, well, that's okay. Not, that's I, I, not you've good. seen it, like in well, real not, or just no, in your sci-fi yeah. movies. No, well, my, my sci-fi. preference would be in the car. My preference yeah. would be clearly be in the car, yeah. but clearly the boat. Um, you just <laughs> don't want to be. You don't want to be. I mean, you know, in a ship with with you know coverage below deck. And you should and all, not all be that. taking a shower during a thunderstorm. You don't right? want to be is touching that, plumbing. Old... You know, that's true too. Uh, any plumbing or any uh, electrical devices can also carry the the charge. Okay, so that's and a real so thing. That wasn't it, just an it, old wise. It tale is a real thing. thing. Oh, now it I get is it. A real that's thing. why my wife keeps telling me to take a shower <laughs> during a thunderstorm. <laughs> now I get right. it. Right. Here's the next one: Is an inch of rain equivalent to a foot of snow? Yes and no. Uh, and here's why. Uh, yes, it's true that when you take water, it fluffs up to more snow. It's because there's more air and snow. Water is, is more condensed. But it depends on the type of snow. If it's a wet snow, the kind you get like in, the, in November or March, that's about right. Lake effect is different. It's much drier, much airier. So the, the ratio can sometimes be a 1 to 40. You can have one inch of rain fluff up to 40 inch. If you take like three feet of lake effect snow and melt it down, you'd be amazed at how little moisture there is there is in there. It's just very wow. dry. So yes, the answer is yes. That's the general rule of thumb. Okay. But in this area, if it's on a cold five degree day and it's lake effect snow, you'll get a lot more snow, a lot more bang for your buck of an inch of, of water. Ah, good to know. See, those were some good questions, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Except for the boat. That was just to throw them off. <laughs> oh, what else? Do you guys got anything? Well, I was wondering if you could give us a, a little forecast oh. For, oh, okay. for this yeah, coming up. But this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. Because uh, so on the last podcast, I think I had mentioned that I have spent a couple times where I've been asked to come on TV and give – expert analysis on car related things mm-hmm. like summer 
car tips and stuff sure, like of course, that. Of course. And this not being my profession, I forgot how to swallow uh, before <laughs> the camera got on me. And I was always so amazed at how you guys can, uh, you guys could be sitting at the, at say the anchor desk and you could be talking about like what you're going to do this weekend. And, you know, the camera guy will count down, you know, three, two, one, and then you like You're right on. away snap into place. There you go. So this is how we're going to do this, go. Aaron. We're going to uh, – Kevin and I are going to just – we're going to talk about our weekend plans. And then okay. you're just going to come in three, two, one, and he's got to do the weather forecast. And like, it will be accurate and timely and pertinent to this weekend in Rochester. All right. Okay. All right. So, all right. so we'll this start is like, like musical chairs. It is. Kind <laughs> <of>. <laughs> so, okay. what are you, so what are your plans for this yeah. weekend, Kevin? Well, the Speaker of the House hasn't let me know just yet, but I understand we have a little time out in the, one of the parks with the puppy. Going to do a little walking and oh, a little exercising, great. a little gardening. How about you? Three, oh, two, one. All right. So if you're heading out this weekend, you'll find a cold friend coming through tonight. Takes the clouds with it. Sky's clear. We're down to 52. Tomorrow is the best day we've seen all week, if not for multiple weeks. Bright sun and dry tomorrow. Sunny, about 72. 50s lakeside. Weekend goes downhill. A front will arrive Saturday with uh, some scattered showers, a few rumbles in the afternoon. But it's a warm day, 75. Sunday, we go the other way, heading to the flower market. You're out and about. You plan on a damp, cool morning with drizzle and showers, maybe some late day clearing. Gusty breezes, temps in the 60s. And if you're on the lakeshore, northerly breezes later Sunday and Monday will be the next chance of pushing some of that high lake water on shore so stay in touch oh spectacular wow. that was good that you know what this i had... do i do want your cell phone number because i i'm just going to call you every weekend <laughs> <laughs> kevin's <it's> jay <laughs> uh, not, well i just want to hear it. i'm sure for a fee weather track would be happy yes, to thank provide you very much. a a tailor-made yeah, yeah thank which you i want to evoke the uh the invoke the uh, tailor-made forecast now and change that saturday and sunday <laughs> yeah i know yeah, you yeah. have me all excited with I tomorrow know. and yeah. then i'm going wait get, saturday? Get out tomorrow get no out tomorrow. so this saturday at grease ridge center camp hackamo which is a uh, a children's camp uh for children with disabilities mm. is having a car show Ooh. and uh and i go every year i i help them out i i actually dj it for them oh how nice so i bring some sound equipment and i play some tunes and i i tell some corny jokes and what and (laughs) (laughs) and uh, so we'll be doing that on saturday all of the proceeds to that uh go to help camp hackamo children's camp for uh children's with disabilities excellent excellent part of the rotary club uh initiative that Goes on here in Rochester, so that'll be fun. So if you, if it's not raining yeah, Saturday don't, don't, morning, don't, I don't want you to write the day off. Remember, I said a couple of showers, maybe an afternoon mm-hmm. rumble. It's not a, a washout, so I'm glad Good. I have this opportunity to make clear that yes, it's going to rain, but it's not a complete downer. I don't want people canceling their Saturday plans now, yeah. but I want them to be flexible and know you'll have to dodge an hour or two of showers or. Thunder. And if it is raining, bring your car into Universal Imports. I'm there sure it go. could use an oil change <laughs> or an air filter change or hey. something. Perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> um well Kevin I you know uh, it was such a. It's always a pleasure to work oh. with you on your car. Well, I want to talk about that. Yes, uh, a couple, please. Uh, uh, yeah, a couple of things I want to say. First of all, just a reminder for our listeners that they can, for my TV listeners and viewers, I just want them to know that Monday to Thursday, five o'clock on Facebook, 
I do a, a full half hour weather presentation and it's very interactive. It's really, we have a nice little audience. And on Twitter, you can follow me on Weather by Williams, WX by Williams is my handle. And I need you to know, Mark, how happy I am with the car. Um, oh, thank you. Just so, so people know uh, about my Jaguar, you know, I picked it up in 1986. I had worked. Um, really tired well i worked to start my business as anyone who starts a business knows it can be hard i started it as a senior in college and i worked through the mid 80s sometimes seven days a week uh struggling to get the company going moved it to rochester modicum of success and i decided that after six years of sleepless nights working seven days a week i would treat myself uh to a vehicle that i always loved uh, if one became available. And with the help of my, my now departed brother-in-law, we found this Jaguar. Uh, I don't know what kind of blue you call it, but it's this fabulous blue XJS, XJS6, I should say, and uh, bought it and loved it for all these years. But because of f family issues, it had to be put aside for a couple of years. It stayed in my, my in-law's uh, garage in Pittsburgh. And uh, I, because of family matters and other pressing matters, it got neglected, which really saddened me, but it just had to be. So I didn't know that there was going to be a chance to, to really get it to where it once was. So my only thought was, the person who serviced it in the past, let's give a call and see if there's anything you can do. So you took it in. Yep. You gave me your best projections, put all your brain trust together to figure it out because it's far above my you know, pay scale. And uh, you, you got the car not only operational, but it looks so fabulous. I want to go. I want to take it to a car show someday, and just because I've never done that, because yeah. it looks so good. You definitely and, should. And and, uh, and so I want to thank you and your staff. Oh, it, uh, it was our it's, pleasure. It's a great piece of work. Um, I've only we've only had it back a couple of weeks, so, and I was away for a while, so I haven't had a chance to fully, really enjoy driving it yet. But I'm so looking forward to it. If only I can get this weather to improve, uh, it's going to be a wonderful thing. But uh, but thank you, thank you for your and, you're and, welcome and your team and as well. Well, thank you for putting your trust into us. And uh, you know, I remember picking that car up hmm. 10, 15 years ago yeah. from the TV station where you you were in between, uh, oh. you know, broadcasts, and I would come and get the keys from you and bring it back here we did do service and then bring it back to the shop so i was yeah. so pleased when you know out of the blue you uh, you called and yeah. said hey we want to get this get this baby going again well and, you know uh, it can be, it and it's awesome. a challenge this is not an easy vehicle i mean i'm no expert but i know it's not uh, to service that car here you know in 2019 and 1986 and get the parts you needed and and get it to where it was um you know i i, I for me it's you know, i can't imagine the so you know the, the, in this in in the auto industry so many of the new technicians that are coming up uh into the business uh, are are taught so much uh about computer electronics everything's digital sure um sure you know most of the newer cars from 10 years old and newer are all most of it's based on plugging it into a computer and programming things and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Your car is not that. <laughs> not that uh, at all. You know, the old Porsche air-cooled cars are not that. So you need technicians sure. that know how to work on it, and it's a dying breed, of course. It's, it's an art form. Yeah, it really is a, an, it art is an art form. And so we strike a balance here at Universal Imports. We have the technicians that have worked on those types of cars, uh, and, you know, we have we have technicians that are 30, 40 year veterans in this business. So they know those cars and they love working on them because it brings them back to sure, how what they grew up on, mm -hmm. um, as well as we have the technicians and the tools to work on all the newer stuff. So our job is fun. We you know, yeah. I can walk out in the shop and see a brand new 
Audi or a you know thirty five year old Jaguar yeah. or well, Porsche. Well, you put together this wonderful book for me, which kind of chronicles the efforts to get it going. So it's so cool uh, to have that, to see that, and to, uh, so I can understand in some limited way what was uh, what was done and involved. So that that is cool, and um, you know that's that's been you know. I've been associated with that car for a long time, so I didn't know that it would be be workable ever again. I was sad that I didn't think I could have it back really dr in a in a consistent, reliable way. So I'm thrilled. I thank you. Thank and, you. And again, thank your team for me as, as well. I will, and and I will just uh, finish and follow that up with um, when we do these restoration or partial restoration type jobs, mechanical or cosmetic. Uh, we I like to put those books together because what I have found is. Sometimes, as important as the work, it's chronicling the, the work because it adds so much value sure. to the car you to be able to, to show yes. a potential next buyer. Or, or even if it's just something for you to have as a sort of the nostalgia of it down the road. I love it. I love it. Um, it's so important. We, we've sold a couple really high-end, older vintage cars to other people in other parts of the country based on those books that you know like Aaron cool. and I have put together. How cool. Yeah. So um cool. so it's a it's a it's a labor of love for I know. for for I us know. as know. well. So um with that, Jay, Aaron, do you guys have anything more to add while we still have Kevin here or I just want to say thank you for coming in. Oh. I mean, I've learned a lot. Today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Thank and it was good to see you again because I'm yes. kind of like that old Porsche. Ooh. It hasn't been yeah, around I, Jaguar. I first I've... met Jay, what was it, 62 years ago? Yeah, it? about 62 yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of those other places. Yeah, and, those yeah. other places. Yeah, we, it was nice to it's connect good to up see you again. again, sir. So well. good to see you. Thank you. Thank so, you. anyway, we are so blessed here at the Grease and Glamour podcast. We always have some great guests that uh, are willing to come on our show. Uh, Jay, Aaron, and I uh, always take pleasure in trying to find new fun topics to talk about. Uh, make sure to visit universalimports.com for any of your car needs. So whether you're looking for a vehicle, um, whether you're looking for service for your vehicle or, or body or collision work, universalimports.com will have all the information you need. As Jay mentioned earlier in the program, uh, we uh, are rolling out our new Car Care Club. Um, which uh, you can also check out on our website and see all the wonderful things that may be in store for your car service in the near future or in the not-so-near future, but right on. Uh, anyway, um, we are always so happy to do this podcast. This is now, I think, our 20th episode, but I'm, like, losing count mm -hmm. at this point. Good for you. And, uh, and we're growing steadily. We, are, we have a really nice listener base, and uh, I'm sure this podcast is going to raise that Raise that number oh, quite a bit. We're going to have a record number of uh, I think downloads we are. on this one. So, anyway, <laughs> until next time, I'm Mark from uh, Universal Imports. I'm Aaron. And I'm Jay. And, and I'm Kevin, passing through shooting the shooting the breeze. All right. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. <laughs> bye bye. See you.